Welcome everyone to the Two Tongues Podcast. Consider this your invitation to join Kyle and Chris on a journey through our minds. Where we explore the questions that have fascinated us for as long as we can remember. Could anarchy actually work? Does God exist? And just how did the cosmos get here anyway? Let me be the Virgil to your Dante, the Sacagawea to your Lewis and Clark. Let's take the guided tour through the dark chambers of our unconscious, seeking answers to the most important and unsettled questions of our shared existence. Ready or not, here we go. Here we go. All right, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> the Two Tongues podcast is live and recording. We have a guest. We have a guest today, my buddy Joshua Hamilton. How are you, Josh? I'm doing great. Glad we could do it again. <laughs> yeah, and I have to. I have to explain. Uh, we did this once before. Um, <laughs> struggling to get, uh, you know, to get you on as a guest, and finally figured out how to do it, and had a really good conversation, two and a half hours long. Um, what was a week ago or something, and none of it recorded. Yeah. None of it recorded. <laughs> so, um, so uh, what we'll probably have to do then is um, repeat a bunch of stuff and pretend as though we it's not it's the first time that we're talking about it, although it's not. Um, <laughs> we'll, right. we'll do our best. <laughs> Um, so Kyle's not on the, not on the podcast today, although it would be great to have the three of us together. Um, today is Kyle's birthday, by the way. Oh, happy birthday, man. <laughs> yeah. Happy birthday, Kyle. <laughs> um, so, I mean, obviously the audience doesn't know, uh, what day this was recorded, but today's Kyle's birthday. So he has, a, he has an excuse. Um, so in, <laughs> in, in any case, um, I wanted to have you on because you and I have known each other for a very long time and, um, uh, in fact, apart from Kyle, probably the oldest continuous friendship that I have, and uh, I'm grateful for that, Josh. Um, and, yeah. And it's, yeah, me too, man. Thanks, man. And it's strange because um, because you and I, and I thought it would be important that we tell a little bit about our background because, you know, to the audience, you're, you're just a stranger, so to me, you are not. Right. Um, so right. Jo- Josh and I grew up uh, together from about the age of 12, and... Um, you know all the all the puberty puberty ages and uh, and all all of the growing up that's done at you know in your uh, middle school years and high school years that we did that together uh, for the most part with a, with a couple of gaps in between when you moved away and came back and uh, and we reconnected and every time every time we reconnected including when you lived um, you know in, in in the southern part of the state many hours drive from where I live today um, and when we're kids that might as well be another another country you know yeah. But we, but we stayed connected, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that we did. And, be, and the reason is, uh, maybe more than anything, uh, apart from the fact that I appreciate friendship, is that, uh, is that <laughs> I, I don't have a lot of friends or acquaintances, for that matter, who have shared interests with me uh, on the things that I really am passionate about. And um, religion is one of them, and I talk about that so much on the podcast. People are probably sick of it, um, but you and I have a little bit of an overlap there, where we have that mutual interest, and both of us find it. Um, you know, I, I want to say particularly important, but that's not a strong enough word. It's like maybe mm-hmm. maybe the most important endeavor. You know, it's just the, yeah. the struggling to understand what we are, what God is, what our relationship is, and that sort of thing. Um, so let me ask you that question then. So when when you and I were growing up. 
um, neither one of us were going to church regularly. And I don't think, you know, and I know that your family down South was, was a little bit more like that. And maybe that's where, mm-hmm. maybe that, maybe that's when you started getting, going to church more regularly. I don't know. But that's the question I had for you is at what point did the religious part of your life become a thing? How, how'd that happen? That's a good question. And I'm actually kind of happy that my mind's going in a different direction than last time. That's what's fun about when we get together. But like whenever I would go down to Southern Ohio, uh, my grandfather was probably the most important icon of that journey. Um, he embodied grace. He embodied forgiveness. He embodied love. Mm. I mean, he had his problems like we all do, uh, which I found out much later. And But he he had this idea that family was important, very important. And he had a round table literally in his kitchen. And he used to say that the most important things that happen, most important things in the family happen right here at this table. Mm. There'd yep. be long discussions. There'd be long moments of of him sort of intervening in civil disputes or times when things were not good in the family. And he would always be that. He was always a sounding board. And with re, with regards to some doctrinal religiosity or or dogma, with regard with with that aside, he was very very uh forgiving um and what i mean by that earlier statement is just he was very set in his ways and what he believed and and it was actually because he used to beat his kids Mm. and was the epitome of a drunkard Mm. and you know it was in his my mom's generation a lot of that stuff happened but it wasn't talked about it wasn't as open right and so lots and lots of stuff he did so when you when you realize when I realized what he came from, I think he embodied to me the fact that it has nothing to do with perfection in action. Mm-hmm. Nothing. In fact it's the furthest from it. <laughs> Even though they were Seventh day Adventists in they had some very occultic I won't not not occultic, um, cultish type influences. And strange things they believe, and oh, without going on a tangent, all denominations are kind of that way, and and which I'm sure I'll discuss a little bit later. But yeah, with him it was that like he he may, he he may have had discussions with my grandmother in their bedroom that sometimes I would overhear where he may may believe different, but he would never say it to you, and not in a secretive way. He just knew that you know what, it's not important that I disagree with that particular thing. What's important is that he needed this person or these people needed to talk. They needed some help. And mm. he was there to be that. And so I think he, he embodied that more than anything. Mm. But then we definitely went to church, um, periodically through many, many denominations, um, growing up. And even when, yeah, when we were there in independence village, um, it just wasn't every an every Sunday thing, right? So, so the influence was definitely more more grandparents, and it wasn't until I moved down to Southern Ohio in two thousand one that, um, similar to the way my grandfather found his faith, was from a very destructive, horrible, 
situation that it became my anchor just like it did his mm. and that allows a place for healing and self-discovery and, and, and really, you know, finding, finding yourself in a, what's supposed to be a non-judgmental environment. Um, and, and that I found it then because at the time of them separating and moving down to Southern Ohio, um, I mean, I had to take care of my mom, you mm-hmm. know, she was, she was not in a good way and I had to, I had to grow up a lot sooner than most people. Um, so did both of my sisters too. But um, yeah, that was probably when I, I think I needed it to the most because we came from living in the city down to the, you know, podunk, mm. yep. whatever. And, and it was very much a culture shock. And, you know, my mom would be like falling asleep eating and, you know, had various addictions and things that I was helping her through. Mm. And I think that that became a safe place to, for all of that to just be, gone in that moment and it, it, it doesn't excuse the very personal relationship that I have with have with Jesus and all that but like it's just the formality of it became safe because if I did all these things and not in a bad religious way but it was something I could dive into wholeheartedly that I could it was a world I can go into that was completely ignoring all the chaos that was going on outside of mm. outside of church what used to be and still is largely video games for me, like the RPGs that we grew up with. Right? Oh, yeah. that, those became those became me leaving a world I could not control that felt out of control to a world I could control so that I could actually function in the world that was out of control. Mm. That's, so yeah. that's very much what religion became to me and what that relationship became to me in those in those moments. And I became very dogmatic because that's, that's, that was my safety. That like mm. healed me, oh. you know, like – it, oh. it was it was desperate it it was i needed that oh man um, that, that you that, know that, that is so funny because it's so funny man because i never thought i never thought of it that way and i never asked you i never asked you actually this is the first time we've ever really talked about this and and if mm-hmm. i'm if i'm being honest um you know that, well that whole time you were you were living down in southern ohio uh you know like I said, it was a world away. We didn't talk, and like, and I'm just, yeah. I'm just deducing. Like, I, I wasn't even sure. Like, okay, well, which set of grandparents was that? Uh, I suppose that was your mom's, your mom's parents, right? It was, yeah, it was my mother's. Uh-huh. Yep, yep, and, yep. And, my the Hutchinson side of the family, and yeah, yep. And so, and so, your grandpa there, you know, it sounds sounds like he was, um, he was a, an influence, obviously, in that direction. So, somebody who kind of represented wisdom. You said somebody who had long, long discussions around the table. And that is a little bit, yeah. of a, a little bit of an old fashioned thing to do, but it's sort of what we're doing right now. You know, it's yes. like the wisdom part really, man, when, when you said that, man, that like, I, that, that dropped in me something oh, yeah. <laughs> like, like you said that for him, that was literally everything that was about him. Like, and, and I got a lot of that from him. Like as, as far as grandkids go, you see a picture of him as a young person. It's literally me. It's like I'm just mm. a copy. It's creepy. It's, it's like me. And my, um, it's like me and my dad. Uh, there's a yeah. It, oh yeah. There's, there's a there's a there's a picture. <laughs> it's actually on a, on a Christmas ornament. But there's a picture uh, of my mom and dad um, when they were married. And uh, mm-hmm. so he must have been like 28, I think, when they got married. And uh, and it, it, that ornament I inherited. It's been on my tree. And when I show my daughters the picture, and I say, "Who is that?" Well, not anymore, but when they were younger, 
both of my girls say daddy. So that it, it, looks, awesome. it looks exactly like me. And it, it reminds Dang. it reminds me of something that I just read like 20 minutes ago before we started this podcast. Uh, was, it was a, I was reading Maps of Meaning because I'm doing some other lectures um, on the podcast about Maps of Meaning. And Jordan Peterson, the, who wrote the book, was talking about this idea, um, this idea of, of culture. There's like this phrase that, that you're um, possessed by the spirit of your father. It's like this mythological, mm. this mythological concept that that you embody um, and and imitate the things that you that you um, associate with with your with fatherhood or or the father. It's mm-hmm. not 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 with your father. So I don't I don't want to I don't because I know that you've got some you know there's I know what you mean. mixed emotions. Yeah, about, yeah. About your, should, your I mean that'll be that'll be great for discussion too because of the place I'm at now is is actually really good and probably help people. But yeah, I know what you mean. Like the he would, I know, he would almost say the archetype of father, like what that, you right, know, right, that right, concept of fatherhood. Yeah. Yep. And but and everybody builds that um, concept from similar material, and that's why it's archetypal because we all have grandfathers and grandfathers, and you know, m- other males in our life that we admire, or or, or the opposite, let's say. But mm-hmm. but there are things that you pick up on, um, and like grandpa wisdom, for instance, is one of those things. You know, um, it's like a yeah. per, it's a perspective on the world. It's a laid back um, perspective on the world. It's a it's a it's not cautious. It's just I don't know if cautious is the right word. The way the way like it like an elder. Talk, talks, you know, it's like they have, the, mm-hmm. they have all that life experience. They've seen it all before. They don't get flustered. It's like grandpa, yeah. grandpa wisdom. And there's something about that, like in the spirit of the father that you want to imitate, you want to become, mm-hmm. and you and I are slowly, yeah. slowly becoming that thing. But I just, yeah. and I just point that out that the wisdom that your grandpa represented is something that you are becoming, that you and I are becoming, you know, in, yeah. in, in a, in a, in a biological way, but also in a, you know, phenomenological way or a, or a psychological way. So, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he was he was he was awesome. And my one of my favorite things he said to me that I still operate with is he used to say all the time. He said the most tangible way to show the love of God is through money, which mm-hmm. is completely opposite of what every single religious, religious, doctrinated, whatever dogmatic church says. Because mm-hmm. it what did he mean by make that? that be, yeah, not to be like a tangent. Well, what did he mean by that? Yeah, because was... because I think I could tap into some new stuff I've I've listened to, but I, that I've read that will give substance to it. Because I was reading a book called A Happy Pocket Full of Money, and it talks about money, but it's actually a book about quantum physics, which is oh, funny. Oh, so it's it's funny because it talks about money, and he said, and in that definition of in that book. Um, Oh, I just had his, his name. I'll never pronounce his last name, but he's actually one of the gentlemen that uh, is in the book, The Secret, as well as the documentary, The Secret. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, and so he says that value, money is the physical embodiment of value we place on an object or person. Mm-hmm. It is just the physical representation of value placed. Sure. And he, every time I went down there, he handed me a 10. He handed me a 20. It stated a 20. But it was like, you don't refuse that. Mm. Right? Yeah. He embodied the giving and being joyful in giving, not in receiving. He embodied that, See that? most chiefly in, 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 in his life and in my upbringing. Mm. And, and that, 
Sorry, man. I didn't mean it's huge. I didn't mean to interrupt your momentum, but that's what I was getting at when you asked when when I asked you the question about what what did he mean by that? But the giving, the giving, and and the feeling of pleasure that you get from 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 giving. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I brought he embodied a spirit of generosity. Yes. You know? Now, now I assume I'm I'm going to assume, um, and you tell me if I'm right or wrong. Your grandparents that you're talking about, at least at least your grandpa, because we're talking about him. Uh, he grew up poor. Is that is that right? Yeah. Okay. The reason yeah. the reason I make it, that assumption, like the reason I can, you know, semi confidently do that, is because mm-hmm. because I grew up in a, a household that didn't have you know a ton of means, and giving yeah. g- giving gifts in that environment is yep. way way more impactful. It's like we don't have mm-hmm. money, so if we're giving yeah. you money or buying you things, like that's a big deal. That's love. Yep. And it's, it's yeah. you know, and it's not something you see in like wealthy people because they don't have the same, you know, framework. No, they don't. No, not so, typically. If you, unless, you, if, unless you came from it, you know, and that's exactly the way, the way he was. The saddest thing is where it come, where most of that came from. Yeah. Stewardship, you know, he 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 embodied like he would say all the time like listen this man would buy a car and he would turn it back in to trade it in and get darn near the same value as when he first bought it <laughs> and he would just keep trading up until he got the car he wanted and he used to say something really funny that cracked me up he'd say this all the time but he didn't have pride in it he just would have he would say it in the same scenario and it was a repeated story that they say that you love every time and no matter what, because he would talk about, oh, I, he always said, said, oh, yeah, I got a new I got a new car. And this guy at work and said, oh, you're trying to keep up with the Joneses. He mm-hmm. said, let me tell you something, son. I am the Joneses. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> and it was, I mean, that was the most repeatable thing. And, and it was through stewardship and hard work. And he actually was a pipe fitter and he ended up getting some access to some pretty pretty interesting places to do pipe fitting because Ooh. if you think about it even if it's a top secret area they have pipes they have plumbing mm. and he used to get level q clearance to go in a door led in by an armed guard he did his work for his shift he let out was let out by an armed guard oh, as wow. he was let out the other guy to do his next shift was let out in by an armed guard they never knew each other, never knew their names, barely knew what they looked like because it'd be in passing between shifts. Wow. And he'd get let out. He used to be in the stories this man had of places he's worked. But the, the, the point I'm trying, I'm trying to get to is that much of that money in the later life came because the man got asbestosis and he got lung cancer because of asbestos uh, in all those no. buildings. And wow. it came from lawsuits and it came from him living with cancer mm. and and in a place where i didn't have a lot and this is how i suffered and this is how i got here and he he embodied living leaving this world better than he found it mm. in fact he left he left everything and everybody better than he found it and would you say that's as, some, that's, as, that's something yeah. that you that you that you want to model in your own life absolutely i mean especially with the generosity you know like it's it's the worst thing in the world is to feel like I'm in a place where I can't bless other people through money abundantly. Mm. Like that's like one of my favorite things to do. And he physically embodied it, but it's something I feel because I didn't have it growing up. You know, I, I lived a life that 
most people would never want to live. And, and it reminds me of all the gurus that make something at some point. And all the really good ones are like, listen, don't idolize me on my mountaintop because I was not always here. Mm. I've got a pro I've got problems. I had, I came from this. You're living that life or your version of life, that life. And the fact is you can get here too. I love the humility of people that had grit grind and, and, and had to had to fight for that. Oh yeah. And and the personal development and the getting up and doing it regardless of the tangible results yet is is something I really admire, admire and and uh, try to live try to live my life exactly like Oh, you know? it's it's funny because it reminds me. I was just uh, watching. What was I watching? Uh, there was a show. <laughs> I was watching a show, rewatching a show actually on Netflix called Mind Hunters. And if you haven't watched it, you should. It's really good. And my my, my other Netflix recommendation is Freud. It's in German, but it's it needs to be in German. It's it's what's the other one? Um, the, the the second one is Freud. The first one's called Mind Freud. Mind okay. Hunters. Okay. I- I thought you said Freud. I yeah. just want to make sure I heard oh, it's, you. Yeah. It's Mind so Hunters, good. I started. I okay. did start it. I haven't got anywhere to know anything about it, but okay. I did start it. Well, okay. It's definitely worthwhile, but the gist, the gist of the show is it's a um, it's basically talking about the early days of the FBI getting involved with um, psychological profiling of serial killers because at the first, oh, that's amazing. Know, like in, I already love it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Cause like in the sixties and seventies, right? Like, and they describe it in the show. It's like the way that people were, were committing crimes was like, you know, rational crimes, you know, the mob, mm. it, the mob is killing you because you know, whatever they're trying to extort money from you or they're selling drugs or they're, you know, whatever there's a rational reason for the crime. And then all of a sudden you start seeing criminals like the son of Sam and Manson mm. and, you know, um, all, you know, all these guys, um, that were killing people f- for basically no reason. Nobody had any idea why. So the reason I point this out is because one of the characters in the show, he's like the young detective who's partnered up with the old veteran, and he's the guy that has all the ideas. He's the guy that's enthusiastic about this uh, work, and he's taking risk. But the, the way that they, the way that they um, show this character is like this: he's so confident in his own interests that he's willing to put himself out there and he's like confident about what he's learning and, and like what, what he's harvesting from this experience that he's, he gets cocky and it's, it's actually kind of like, it's kind of fun to watch. And it remind mm. it reminds me of like, like an Ayn Rand hero, like a, a hero from an, mm. Ayn, an Ayn Rand book. And, and that that's the kind of hero that appeals to me. It's like the, the kind of hero that says, you know, uh, be damned the rest of the world. I'm doing what I'm doing. And I, you know, I'm putting yeah. everything behind it because I believe in myself. Like it's mm-hmm. just, and that, that, that just kind of reminded me of what you were saying. So I just brought it up. Yeah, no, that's true. Like that, I, I, I try to, <laughs> I try to stay, I try to live that way as well too, without knowing that guy. It's like, it's, it's, um, it's the confidence mixed with the humility to be able to remember, to be able to be there with the person where they're at without the experiences and knowledge that you have had, mm. you know? Yeah. That's, that's kind of like, there's, there's a reason that, okay, I love house. Oh, I yeah. love that cocky little bastard. Me too. <laughs> I loved it. I still do, you know? And, uh, it, there's, there's something to be said about the, Ability to be matter of fact, and and even though I would say I like try to be truth and love, he was not in love, but I still loved when people just say what's on their mind in their heart. 
Exactly. You know, it, you know because I already – that's the thing that frustrates me. Half the time I already know there's something there you're trying to not say, mm. and it's annoying, and I can <laughs> sense it. And I'm like, why don't you just say what's really on your heart because it's right there. That's, you know, that's, that's, I just get agitated when I sense it. That's, <laughs> that, that's the epiphany of easier said than done. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, and I do it too. Oh, but yeah, it's like, me too. Yeah, it's just sometimes I'm just like, just get real with me. Yes. Can you imagine if the yeah. world if the world was that way and people just spoke to each other that way? Yeah, I don't oh even, my gosh, it'd be know amazing. What the world would be like, you know? So hey, Man, it'd be so great. Um, I want to ask you. Uh, I'm like, I'm like circling around this seven day Adventist thing you brought up earlier. But I, ultimately, yeah. ultimately, what I want to get to is, um, is kind of what what. All right. So you said something about uh, earlier about um, your grandpa or your. Um, uh, your conservative religious um, philosophy was a kind of a defense or or I want to say a defense mechanism, but it was sort of a way of insulating yourself or protecting yourself from the parts of your life that, that were Mm -hmm. not, were not under your control. And that's great. Mm -hmm. I I want to talk, I want to talk about that because, because honestly, man, when we did this podcast last time and I described you like when, when you and I reconnected later in our, later in our, like, I don't know if we were like late teenage years or early 20, I think it was probably mid twenties when we bumped into each other at uh, early twenties, maybe at Walmart. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't, yeah, I hadn't seen you in forever. Um, yep. that at, at that time, when I was talking about this on the podcast that didn't get recorded, I described you as churchy and it was, and, and I, I hate saying that because, <laughs> yeah. it, because it sounds a little bit insulting. And I don't mean it that way for you, but what I mean is that it, it surprised me to bump into you after the, that, you know, distance and then start talking to you. And we immediately start talking about religion, which, you know, that doesn't surprise me because I'm super interested in that. But the mm-hmm. way, the way that you responded to me and the words you were using were the types of language that you hear in seminary or in a conservative church, not anywhere else in the world. So, so when I was talking to you, I'm like, who is this guy and what happened to him? And so that's what, that's, <laughs> sure. so that's what I want to know. And I think, you yeah. were, I think you were getting there when you were talking about, like I said, um, clinging to the dogma because of those rules mm-hmm. and beliefs, the word of God is as, yeah. as, as conservative Christians like to say, it's, it's infallible. It's all right here. And you're saying mm-hmm. that you, you're saying that that was comforting to you at a time when you didn't have a lot of comfort. Yeah. And it, and it also connects to, which is good of our, good of our history. So it, it, it also connected to starting to make sense of some things that I have always felt as a young kid that nobody could tell me what it was. Mm. And the only time I heard anything that was remotely close to what I would feel as a young kid was when I was in church. Uh. In fact, most of my, I'll tell you this, honestly, here's one of the things that used to agitate the snot out of me. And I can look back with a lot more clarity to understand why I would be in churches talking about the supernatural literally from the stories of God, or like the, God's word. Mm-hmm. Um, and they look at me like I'm crazy because I believe it. And here I am in church where the people there, I mean, kind of by default, you believe the Bible, right? you know, that don't believe the Bible. That's all. That's most of because them. Because <laughs> I'm, yeah, because I'm talking about, like I'm talking about, you know, gifts of the spirit and all that, all that stuff. And they're like, well, no. And, and I would talk about knowing things before I should know them. And, and they'd look at me like I'm some freak or heretic or God, if I was in like 1700s, I probably would have been burned at the stake at 12, you know, like, yeah. Oh yeah. Maybe not literally 12, but young. <laughs> so, so it's like, 
So the we, very place that you think should be understanding of that idea was mm-hmm. not. So that's awesome. I think that's getting us right to where I want to go. So let, let me focus on that for, for a second. Um, sure. So, okay. So there's this thing I keep encountering. I, I encountered it in Jordan Peterson, but I've been encountering it with lots of other um, smart people, academics mostly. And what they're saying is that the world that we exist in is, you know, again, I'm just, I have to use this language. I don't know what better word. It's, it's material and it's spiritual. Okay. So it's like, you know, um, that there is a component that's not captured by, by science and that the way that mm-hmm. we, the way that we look at the world today in this empirical scientific way, the, at this evidence-based way, um, it, it doesn't leave room for anything subjective or anything supernatural, meaning that science can explain everything. And if it can't explain it, then there's something else we're going, going wrong here. Or maybe it's only a matter of time before science progresses to the point where it can explain everything. So this is kind of how we, how we look at the world. It's kind of how our culture, how our culture has brought us up. And I don't know if that started, you know, if it was always been that way in our lifetime or if it started somewhere in the middle, but this is, this is sort of the picture that, that is the, it's the orthodox picture. And the moment you start to say, okay, well, science can explain, like science can explain, you know, where grapes come from and how they're formed, but it can't tell me why it tastes the way it does. So, so scientists will tell you, uh, well, then we shouldn't, then we shouldn't ask questions about flavor because it doesn't, because it doesn't go beyond the individual. So, so that, that, you know, there, there's no room in your life for anything that can't be explained by experimentation or something. So that mm-hmm. when we realize at whatever point in our lives we do, that our lives are not like that. Our lives are like, they're kind of like that. But there's also this other component to our lives, this spiritual component, this component that you can't, you can't, you know, put, uh, put brackets around and contain it. It's, it's mm-hmm. that it flavors and colors your life in a way that is not captured by, um, the explanations of science. So you go to church to say, look, I'm, I, what I'm interested in is this other part of, of my life. The church, the church building represents the place where I can go specifically to, to have that nurtured. And when I get there, people look at me like I'm an alien. Yeah. Yep. It's, it's, yeah. it's super frustrating. And it's because, I think they're unwilling to they're unwilling to um, question even what they believe. Like that that is frustrating. And I think you it seemed like you were wanting to go somewhere more with that. So I'll let you keep going there. Um, well, what, I guess what I wanted to get to was um, this kind of break uh, where you and I have been having these conversations mm. recently. The conversations that got us to the point where we said, you know what, I should probably have you on the podcast. Um, those, oh, yeah. the, those conversations circle around things like the, all these interesting tidbits in, in, um, the Bible, let's say that aren't explained that, that mm. represent, that represent real mysteries. Um, yeah. and then the, and then this kind of inability to have any illumination from the people that are supposed to be there to help you with help <laughs> the, <laughs> yeah. the priests that's, and that's the preachers. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's huge, man. Like it's, it's, it's because it reminds me of um, when you look at traditionalism and you look at what most believe, they believe it because they're told to believe it. They believe it because the preacher said that. Um, they, back to my grandpa, 
there's this really funny story. Now, he used to say the same thing. Now, look, he believed in a lot of the doctrine of Seventh-day Adventist Church, and that's fine. But one time he went to this church, and this guy was talking about Jonah and the quail with a Q. <laughs> oh, no. And the whole congregation believed it. He even went on a preaching tirade of, now think about a man fitting in a little bird like a quail. I'm like, did you <laughs> read your daggone Bible? That's whale, son. Oh, God. Like, he told me that story. And so, see, what's worse, first of all, shame on you, pastor. I don't know what you had going on because you are responsible for your flock, first of all. But but the one, what I want to get to out of that is that in congregation that have never read the daggone thing to even be like, uh, pastor, I, th- I think you mean whale. <laughs> like, you don't have a personal relationship encounter studying the word at all and that really honestly genuinely with much love represents most people in churches today correct and i'm not immune to that idea but here's what's funny if you look at and this is going to step on some toes but i don't care if you look at the starting and the foundation of of the protestant movement and you even go even back to the catholics because that came off of protestants came off of that right right they the priest was who you went to for all spiritual knowledge. What they said went. What they said goes. Right. There was not a, a encouraged um, forethought, pre-thought or, or encouraged discovery at the congregational level. And I'm not going to go so far as to say maliciously designed, but certainly was designed. Or at the very least, culturally accepted by the congregants that we – they're the holy one. We listen to them. They're the ones that were like Moses that went to the mountain. We'll just chill here at the exactly. base of the mountain yep. and, and worship our calf that we just painted on a rock. You go talk to God. We're good. Quail. I worship the quail. <laughs> exactly, right? Yeah. So that actually represents where I think a lot of that that moves from. And then so that gets me to go to like things that we traditionally believe that just isn't true. And people will look at you like you're this blasphemer simply by saying these two very things. And it's funny to me. So, and I say, I tell people, Adam wasn't created in the garden. What? Yes, he was. No, no, he wasn't. Because in Genesis 2, it says, then God took Adam and put him in the garden. Mm. Every translation has a different phraseology, but it's all the same of, hey, you were over here. I'm putting you here. <laughs> we just fundamentally believe that Adam was created there, too. He was not. Interesting. Um, the other simple one is, the traditional Jesus baby in a manger. Um, wise men didn't get there till he was a toddler running around like my son right now. Mm. So, but we depict him that way, and then the entire story. So, so what? What? What started for me to unravel some of that was simply asking questions because of things I would find out that people believe or we believe that actually isn't even in the Bible. Mm. And then, yeah, like, okay, like, well, like, if that's <laughs> not true. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, like, like the concept of hell, maybe that, that that's not sure. in, it's not in the Old Testament exactly, you know. I mean, the, right. the, the, right. the, there's all sorts of words that get used for hell, but show that like the Hebrew the Hebrew underworld is is not a hell, it doesn't exist at all. It's a it's a you know it's actually a Zoroastrian. And you you brought up the um, the nativity story, so I'll just tell you, and we can talk about this too because it's awesome. Is that the idea of hell in the way that we have it today in the in the Christian 
you know, like formalized, formalized kind of uh, definition. Hell comes from a different religion altogether, the Zoroastrian religion. Now, the Magi, the Magi who came to see the baby Jesus born, that was the religion that they belonged to. The, the Magi were, were Zoroastrian priests from Iran. That's who the Magi were. Mm, yeah. And, the, and so anyway, the, the idea of heaven and hell and the idea of a, of a, a bifurcated deity, like a, a God that's, you know, bad and a God that's good, like that whole idea mm-hmm. that we, we can see in our own religion, that, that it, it's not a Jewish um, uh, idea. It's a Zoroastrian yeah. idea. And we just adopted yeah, yeah. it. Yeah, then you got different words. You got different words in the Greek for for the things we call hell, like Gehenna. There's yeah. Tartarus. Tartarus yeah. There's there's uh, uh, Shoal. Yep. There's um, I feel like there's two. I think I'm missing, but they all represent a different place. That's interesting. You know, and Jesus talking about one of my favorites ones is you'll go to a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. That was a physical place that slaves were put oh. in that time. Interesting. That was a physical place. Interesting. So it's it's not to say that he may not be referencing what will happen if you don't if you don't follow because there's plenty that says, you know, there, there's plenty that that talks about, you know, being a son of God and and access to heaven and and all of those things, but but it doesn't necessarily depict a physical place of hell, right? And I, I I'm with you there because mm-hmm. that's that's something I'm still kind of like. I'm I'm still teasing that one through. Yeah, you know, I'm still yeah. kind of like I'm in the. I'm, that's very much wet cement for me, um, <laughs> because that's one of the concepts that was, I mean, very challenging for me to even open up that can. Mm-hmm. You know, because that's I mean, God, that's fundamental, right? So yes, but but that with me is not that this will make us go there, but the one that I'm looking at right now is kind of the rapture, second coming. That one's really wrecking me right now, um, just because it doesn't seem to fit anything spoken so that, now or even in the word yes it's weird so that and that's something so. well this is everything that we've everything that we've said so far is is the reason why people should read the bible it's the, it's the reason why you should do the reading yourself and not and not yes. listen, not listen to other people because yes, because there exactly. are there are questions there that should be asked and um yeah anybody who tells you that you shouldn't be asking those questions is is not your friend Exactly, and that's to, to, to for a clarification point. Like, just the other day, man, I've experienced I've experienced the 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 relationship. Um, I mean, I was in my massage room, falling like an idiot because I just was, you know, let go of self and physical, and you know, was praying and felt the presence come in and get all over me. That's a mm. very like that's a very tangible thing to experience, mm. and it doesn't take away from you see. And this is actually a good point that makes me think like it's if you if you're if you're focusing on it for religion, you've missed the whole point of the entire reason we have it. Mm. You know what I mean? Like if it's only a head understanding and knowledge, you've missed the whole point. Oh, yeah, that's that's the that's the problem that I see in churches or outside of church. So I'm. I'm comfortable in my faith and experience because here's the thing. You cannot take away experience. You can't tell me that I haven't experienced what I've experienced because it was real. Mm. And then some of the even crazier stuff, I had witnesses. You can't tell me it didn't happen. You can't tell me, but you you, can argue all day. 
you can argue all day long about like what this text means or what that text means in, in not a negative argument way, but you see what I mean? Like yeah. you, when you have that experience. So well, um, I, in, in fact, I found that experience being such that led me more forward to the truth. So I just want to interject just for the audience. So Josh said he's he's yeah. in a, he's in a massage room. I just wanted wanted to make sure the audience. Oh knows. yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> Josh is a massage therapist and works with chiropractors as a by by profession. So it's actually an important point to know about Josh because it may come up a little bit later in the conversation. But but he's somebody that um, uh, obviously um, is steeped in holistic medicine and and mm-hmm. uh, all of the you know the natural natural remedies and the things that can be done to manipulate your body and your mind for for healing. So there, you know, there's all sorts of things that in that realm that border on the spiritual and the hippy dippy, to be honest. So we can talk about that. Yeah, stuff. And, and what's really cool is I'm sure we'll get there is the fact that science backs up much of it. Like, because I come from a very analytical scientific, and I'm going to say this because of the opposite of what's going on, mm-hmm. scientific method mind, not scientism. Oh, yes. Scientism, scientism is what we have mostly right now and has been on operation for at least 30 to 50 years. I'm being very conservative. Explain, very much explain, the, explain the difference for the audience. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So the so scientific method, in fact, you know what, let me just see if I can pull up the GIF because it would be so much better. Um, it's a saved document. Probably won't take me very long at yeah. all to get it we'll out see, of my gallery, yeah. but see if you can um, find it. scientism is, is essentially while I'm just finding that, Scientism is taking the idea you want to prove and then taking the data that supports only that without looking at objective findings to determine if that's factually true. Mm. Saying that was really wordy and I didn't know I understood it that way. <laughs> <laughs> but but um, that's that's scientism. And is that is so that, you, is that is that the kind of thing that you see from you know, I, I don't know if I want to pigeonhole anybody, but the kind of thing that you might see from like a modern atheist type person where it, where science, the scientific method becomes a dogmatic religion. It becomes something that's unquestionable. Yeah. Yes. You okay. Could, you could certainly say that. Yeah. Because they trapped it like people like that, like they trap themselves in circular reasoning that justifies facts they've researched mm. only to fulfill what they're trying to find proof of but completely dismiss things that counteract that Mm. so they don't even look objectively at their own faith or belief in whatever that is right so that's kind of like that's a good way to put it and then oh perfect here it is so what i'm looking at maybe i can text this image to you so you can be uh, posted or whatever but so scientific method scientism method don't care to don't dare ask questions Construct a model based on preconceived ideas. Find data that agrees with that model. Discard data that does not align with that model. Mm. And then shall trust the experts. Oh, yeah. Okay? (laughs) Scientific method. Ask a question. Do background research. Construct a hypothesis. And from that is a little offshoot that says, experimental data becomes background research for new or future projects. In other words, if you find something that doesn't fit the hypothesis, you save that data because that's now going to have you go into another direction right. with the data that that did not support. But then that's okay. Well, that's a whole other thing, which I'm going to go look at. Below that is test with an experiment. Is the procedure working? If yes, analyze the data and draw conclusions. 
take the results that align partially or not at all with hypothesis and move them into that experimental data tree that I just said. If the data does align with the hypothesis, you take that data, you communicate those results. That's scientific method. And I function that way. And I'm going to tell you honestly, especially in my medical years, which I left pre-med, by the way, mm-hmm. I have seen more scientism, scientism since 2006 when I walked away from pre-med than I have ever seen scientific method. Mm. So I, I, it, I, has been, it has been going on for, for years. Ooh. Now, I think, and that's the problem. Now, I think that's part of the culture in a bigger way. It's interesting that you see it there because you definitely see it um, you definitely see it elsewhere too. It's, um, that, you know, it's, there's, there is a, I mean, if you look at the political landscape, for instance, um, yeah. well, I mean, and, and that's kind of why I was giggling a little bit earlier when, cause like, cause Fauci came to mind, but you know, oh, like, like God, the, yes. the difference between <laughs> the difference between science and scientism and, and maybe an example, another example that pops in my head is, um, is psychedelics. So, so, you know, the government has political, sure. has a political interest in the science. Yep. And for now, yep. for now, psychedelics are schedule one, meaning that they are harmful and have no zero medical utility. Um, that's right. what, that's what the quote unquote science, um, that's reflected in our, in our, Correct. in our politics says is, is suggesting Me- meanwhile, meanwhile, <laughs> there are uh, studies going on everywhere following the scientific method that you just described that's that suggest yep. very different things about how psychedelics can be used to treat depression and PTSD and, yep. and help re- uh-huh. regrow neurons and all sorts of crazy, yep. crazy things. And the scientism perspective is that they have no medical value because again, it's influenced, right. it's influenced by other things. The true science yep. is saying something opposite. Which one do you want to, exactly. which one do you want to believe? Now all the sheep, that's right. all, I, I say that yep. with, I say that with love, but all the sheep, they, they, they just go along with uh, with the scientism that's right. because that's the, that's the uh, the narrative, and they don't want to. Hear, and here it goes back to something I said earlier. We talked about the congregation not reading the daggone book for mm-hmm. themselves. Exactly. That's simply exactly how most people are living through their life, and why I can't have conversations with ninety. Now I've I've gotten a little bit of cynical cynicism. I still love people. We'll get to that. I'm sure at the end, like we did last time, even though you didn't hear it recorded last time. <laughs> But I've that unfortunately that number for me has grown to darn near ninety nine percent, and that's because I'm encountering people every day in my practice that want to open up the can of conversation in the medical field, being a medical person, and then they don't like my answers because it's found off of the scientific method and objective views, not what the news is telling me all hmm. freaking day. Isn't that a problem, that's, man? That's a major issue. Like you, you it, it saddens me to to the depths of who I am because you got what you said, sheep, I call sheeple. You got people that are blindly walking around trusting these quote unquote experts that actually don't care and are only looking at the money that they got kicked back by the people that paid them to say that Right. when they actually have no basis or understanding experiential or clinical knowledge to even make the determinations they're making. But we we trust them because they're these celebrity scientism people right you know like that's that's not we have lost the ability to just ask questions and if i i one of the things i i love to tell people and i say it all the time is this if you want to see what's really going on question everything and follow the money oh, if yeah. you do those two things 
much of what you see will unravel and be the complete opposite of every single thing you're being told mm. by the news, first of all, and by other other people. Like, you have to look at what motivates that person to communicate what they're communicating. Mm. And you have to follow that money because that's going to tell you exactly where their heart lies. So this, this exactly, of, of course, of course, and this, this whole this whole idea of, about things being above question, being discouraged from questioning things. Let's say that you see that in uh, the scientific world, in the medical world, certainly you see that. Well, oh, like, yeah. like, like we already talked about in the church, yeah. which is also disturbing. Yep, exactly. Um, so, so this is what comes to my mind. Tell me what you, what you think of this. Um, so it's like. Like you said, if you have an idea or, you know, let's just stick with this question. You have a question about something in the, in the Bible that is difficult to understand or not clear. Yeah. You go to the preacher and he says to you something to, to the, to the tune of, you know, maybe you should just shouldn't ask those sorts of questions, um, or, or whatever that people in the old days. And when I say old days, I guess I mean classical antiquity, like people in the old days who had questions like that. And weren't getting anywhere with the authorities because obviously the authorities have um, a dog in a fight. They have something that they need to maintain, just like politicians do today. Yes, they don't yes, want they don't want yes. to give up their power. They don't want to give up their position. Mm-hmm. They don't want to give up that stuff. So they're going to avoid the hard questions. And there was a place in the old days where people like you and I could go, and mm. those places were called mystery religions. And Christianity was one of them, which is, you know, yeah. it was considered one of them, you know. So if you put yourself in the Roman Empire and you, and you, and you, I don't know if you remember any of these or if you've done research on any of these, but like the Delphic Mysteries, the Eleusinian Mysteries, um, I think on the podcast that didn't get, didn't get recorded, we talked about Mithra, the god Mithra, and how the, um, the rites that, that people, the reason I'm pointing this out is that these were all basically secret religions, People would mm. people would leave their Orthodox church, and in the mm-hmm. co- in the cover of darkness, they would meet up in secret, and they would have a, a religious, um, you know, ritual, or or you know, they'd get together and and and, and have fellowship or whatever you want to call it, um, that yeah. that they couldn't have in public. And this is the yeah. kind of stuff that they were that they were searching for. They were trying to figure out what was really going on, what the answers to these you know mysteries were. Like, um, you know, and I, it's still sort of a mystery. We don't really know much about what they taught there, but we know it had to do, yeah. it had to do with things like resurrection. Like that's a very common, mm-hmm. you know, conquering death and resurrection. And not only do we see that yeah. in Christianity, but we see it in all of the mystery religions, all of them. You know, there's some, there's, there used to be a place for us is what I'm trying to say. And today, if I go to the preacher and the preacher says, you know, don't ask those questions, I have no place to go, man. I have no place yeah. to go. That, that's why. Yeah, I, that, that's right. Go ahead. No, you're fine. I was just agreeing with you. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. exactly what the problem is. Like it's, it's it, in fact, like one of the things that I miss that I love about it is, you know, there's things that have, there's things that through that discussion and being open to being wrong. See, first of all, people need to learn to say, I don't know. Yes. If you live your life as an, I don't know person, you're always going to discover new things. So, you know, I, an open I, mind. Yeah. Like a closed mind is something you can't work with. So as soon as you live, continue to live and I don't know attitude, um, you, you automatically begin to allow other thoughts, discussions, ideals, paradigms, perspectives than your own. Yeah. You just automatically do. The, 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 and many, many people don't want to allow that. Now, 
I understand the trepidation some may have with regards to, you know, walking away from something that you've known for 30 plus years because you find out things you believed all those years aren't even true and, and what that does to a person's psyche and how it wrecks them. I get because I did it. Mm-hmm. I understand. Yep. And so, so, but, but that doesn't mean that you can't get there in steps that will at least lead you down the path of that, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that it's important to live that. I don't know attitude and be able to say, I don't know. Like when I get a preacher, if it's I so important. walk up to them, and say something about something that is kind of weird to me or that I've dug deep in the word about that I have questions about. They're like, if they say, I don't know, I actually still respect them deeply yep. because I'm like, well, thank you for being honest. Maybe we can chat about it and see where we come. Like so, versus the, oh, no, you shouldn't think that way. So so what you're describing is something that Kyle, Kyle and I bring up a lot when we see it happen in the political world. Uh, it's something that I call maniacal arrogance. And the, mm. it's the Luciferian, like it's, it's the Luciferian arrogance. It's it, so it, the way that Jordan, yeah. the way that Jordan Peterson puts it, he says, it's, it's the people who think this way, all that I know yeah. is all that is necessary to know. Right. So, and that's how they live their lives. So, yeah. so I have to admit just, you know, in, in, in trans for full transparency and for the audience is that that's something I struggle with. And I, I can see like the, the way you're painting the picture about asking the preacher, the question, I can see what's going through his mind in my head. The same thing that's going through my mind, which is this, if somebody asks me uh, a question and I don't know the answer, I'm embarrassed about it. And in mm, my, and, yeah. and I, it's, it, it's so weird because it's, there's no reason necessarily but even in right. my even in my professional life, like you, I can't tell uh-huh. you how many times I had a task or a question that I needed to do and didn't know how to do, and I could have solved it quickly if I just would have swallowed my pride and and told yeah. somebody I don't know what I'm doing. I I you know yeah. I don't know, but yeah. but I found it difficult to do that because I didn't want to lose. Um, I didn't want to. I didn't want to diminish how people saw me. I want. I, I don't know if that's sure. e- if that's ego or what it is. But as a younger man, I was unwilling to say I don't mm-hmm. know. And if I just would have done yeah. that, my life would have been tremendously easier. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and yeah, for me, it's like it's. There's certain areas where, um, I there's certain areas where I will always always encourage discussions like you and I have. I don't care if someone believes the complete opposite opposite me, but I very much believe in a certain rules of engagement when it comes to having civil discourse, you know, mm-hmm. like I, I'll, I'll have it with anybody. I don't care. You could be the, the I'm, I'm trying to not be weird and label all kinds of weird stuff, but just, you can be whatever. And I'm still, I'll still sit and talk with you. Right. But the moment that you get disrespectful, and the moment that you you get nasty is when it's over because oh. now you've now you've gone into an emotional like passion like you and I have when we talk about this stuff is amazing and that is something that's very cathartic like you and I have both talked about absolutely but but to the degree of being so offended by what's being said that you can't even have the civil discourse anymore that's when the conversation is over and i'm not saying i haven't been there cuz i certainly have mm-hmm. um because it I can think about when I started to formulate some of these things that I believe now that people who were well-meaning that were already there tried to tell me, and I didn't listen because of my own daggone pride. No, I can't question that. Exactly. You know, and I'm, you know? I'm, I'm afraid that I'm still doing that, but the, but the interesting thing is the thing I think is growth is mm. that I keep it on my radar. It's like, hey, man, 
when, yeah. keep an eye out, make sure you're not falling into that trap. And I didn't used to say that to myself. Mm-hmm. Well, one thing that I think would be good for that, that was that, that I said last time is, is something that when we talked about, um, our first conversation was, was, um, a, a concept of encountering anything demonic was, was aspects of your own personality. Yeah, right. And, and I very lovingly said to you last time, I said that, you know, go play around with the apocrypha and a Ouija board and then tell me that the cuts and things that are showing up on your body or maybe what's affecting your kids and your wife or everybody else that's living there, you know, like experience that stuff and then tell me it's your pride that you're trying to battle. You know what I mean? Like, because it's an alternate perspective than than what you believed in. And because I deeply love you, I think that you're longing for some experiential stuff with what you believe with regards to religion. If you want me to be really honest and, and... from from brother to brother, I think you're longing for the real meaning in it, man. I think you're longing to experience it, and and I think that that's where I, that's where I really believe these conversations are going to help both of us mm. in that way. Because where where I'm, I'm I've, I've been in the same exact spot, um, but but that very thing you said right there was was a great example of you receiving something completely counter perspective. Mm-hmm. than something that you've probably believed for a long time, right? right? That's, I say that because I want it to be on record, especially in this context of you saying that, man, I don't like to have that challenge to a certain extent, and I don't either. One of the ways that I don't is, is this, and, and I think this will help you too. If at any moment somebody is doing that to you and you feel that way, don't excuse the idea that they are doing a power shift on purpose in order to make them look better than you. Mm. Right. That's a good point. People will do that and challenge your intellect so that they can be a step above you. And sometimes our feeling of, of frustration is because of their malevolence from the beginning of the question. Mm. That's interesting. Yep. So, so don't, you know, there, there may be a few that, now I don't want that to then excuse in that you're not this person anyway, but that doesn't mean like oh all of those were that, because it goes back to the rules of engagement, right? Absolutely. Um, I'm completely fine saying things that might be counter, but I'm going to do it in care and concern for the receiving of the other person. Wait, hey, I want to right? tell you one thing before we get before we start changing topics too much is that you're. All right, so just for the audience's sake, Josh and I have had a couple of conversations uh, recently, but prior to that, Mm. there's been some time where we haven't been in touch. It's one of those periods. It's one of those dark periods like we were talking about earlier where we disconnected. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, the dark ages. The dark ages. But but the the reason I'm bringing that up is because when you said that I'm longing for that type of of an experience and you can tell Mm. that, that is a very insightful fucking thing. And I, yeah. because it's, because it's spot on, because it's very true. Um, yeah. in, in fact, it, it, in retrospect, it's, it's always been true. Like, I, I don't know, yeah. that, I don't know that I knew quite that what I was searching for when I was five years old, but it was true when sure. I was five years old, Josh. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and, you know, the fact that you said it like that, having basically coming, 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 you know, to this conversation from a dark, from one of our dark periods, to, to say what yeah. you just said is an example of one of those one of those insightful things that you were that you were telling me before that you have a that you've developed a feeling for that, that you could mm-hmm. say that you could say something like that and be and and hit that nail right on the head when we've only had mm-hmm. three conversations in the last you know five years. So yeah, yeah, and it's something I I, I heard and and I've I've been I've been chewing on. Um, you could say that that has been. 
you can say that subconsciously, okay, I want to tell you, I think this will briefly at least, and you, you just, you just tell, take it where you want. In that context is where I can say that there is a, I am always processing subconsciously, always, 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 always. If there's something that I am trying to figure out, I am chewing on it like a cow chewing his cud. Yes. Which they chew it and chew it and chew it and chew it. I'm doing that almost subconsciously. But as we've had even our first conversations, I've I've thought about you a lot, at least once a day to once every other day. Mm. And and it's and it's this is a good it's a good place to explain some differences between my mind continuing to process something okay. versus something that I would feel was divinely inspired, right? That's a good, a good, it's a good example sure. of that. I believe that a lot of that was in process because of my, my care for you. But then at the same time, it, it, it's, some, it's a way that I've looked at from the very beginning. And it's something that I cannot tell you. Normally, I would have been like, oh, God told me. I'm not saying that in any way to belittle that thing because it happens to me all the daggone time. Yeah. Right. The difference is I will call it, there's a language we'll call it in the church sometimes called word of knowledge. Okay. That is something that literally comes into you from what's feeling like an outside source that carries with it the experience of what you are hearing. So the example I told you in that first conversation was I'm watching a baseball game. Three people are on the bases. And let's say this guy, just for dramatic effect, is like a crappy batter, right? Mm-hmm. It's like every, if you're a baseball person and you watch this all the time, there's no possible way this guy is going to get any kind of marginal hit or any kind of good thing. In fact, he probably won't get any of those three people home, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. But then you hear, this guy's going to hit a grand slam. And it feels like, it's like, that completely came outside of me. Like it literally did not originate in my own brain. It's something that just like whoop, came inside of me, mm, this yep. weird, weird feeling. But, but the feeling of that coming inside of you and being degenerating inside of you is actually as if you felt the bat, you had it in your grip and you squeezed that handle in preparation for that pitch, watching the bat, watch, watching the, the, the pitcher get ready right you know you you swung it a few times you kind of circled it around you felt the breath you felt the heat you felt the sweat on your brow come outside of the bill of your hat mm. and down your face you wipe it off you then you do one final grip in the in the sand Crack. or the dirt and then here it comes <laughs> bam then the feeling of elation with that hit and now i'm walking the bases and it's my first marginal hit and i've got all these people home like that right there is the best example I could ever, I've ever come up with, with something that feels divinely inspired. I have no research. I have no uh, uh, intellectual basis. I have no subconscious information because I don't pay attention to baseball. Right. But outside of me, there was a, this experience of knowledge. The other one, what I felt I, sa- I said to you was a good opportunity to say it because I've been chewing on it for a while. So I would normally just use the language of that was divinely inspired, but it really wasn't. It was me chewing on it because I care about you yep. and thinking about you and these conversations and how formative they are for both of us and how much we realized we both needed it in this oh, yeah. new season in our life, you know, and, oh, yeah. and that's just because I've been chewing on it since that day one conversation, you know, it's like I'm coming from a place of having said experiences, trying to understand what's beyond that 
through that same direction and, and uh, vector, right, with purpose. Like, okay, I'm having these experiences, but now as I'm trying to intellectually understand it more, these experiences and these feelings are leading me in a different direction than the dogmatic church. You're coming from a perspective of a, a religious view without having the experience, trying to understand it all to find the meaning and experience in that. Yes, and, I, and I'm— you, and, See what I mean? I, I, exactly, and I, and I chew on that. Exactly like you just described, and that's something that I may I may have mentioned to you before. But there's a phrase um, there's a phrase in Genesis that uh, this in the story of um, of uh, J- Jacob, where um, the Bible says that Jacob wrestled with God, and, yeah. and this was him wrestling with an angel. When you say you chew on those ideas like a cow chewing on cud, and you're you're pounding them and pounding them and working it and working it and trying to extract the meaning from it, that's what I imagine when I read. When I read that Jacob wrestled with God, because that's that's what I feel like I'm mm. doing. Every time, yeah. every time I get a little a little nugget of something that resonates mm-hmm. with me with my intuition, then I just mm-hmm. chew on it and chew on it and chew on it until I can come up with something that's valuable from it. And it's hard to describe what that process is apart from just saying thinking, but it's not exactly thinking. And like you said, no, a lot of that stuff no. is happening subconsciously. It's happening like while you're sleeping. Yeah. It's happening in the back yeah. of your mind while you're working. Yep. And, yep. Um, and and you like s- you're flipping it upside down. You're taking it apart. Oh, you're putting yeah. it back to do it together a different yes. way. You're yes. looking at it from the bottom. <laughs> you're looking at it from the top, from the side. Yes. Under light, not under light, in liquid, out of liquid. <laughs> yeah, it's like this – Massive experimentation going on, now, I, you know, I, I, from I want, every angle you can possibly do. I want the audience to know that the joyful laughing that I just, that I just, you guys just heard when Josh was talking, is one of these moments that Josh just just alluded to, where he said these conversations are good for us both, because when because when you're going on that on that tangent and 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 explaining it the way you just did. I know exactly what you're talking about because because <laughs> it feels exactly like that to me. And to hear somebody else say it just makes me fucking smile, Josh. It's just like, yeah. I'm not alone. I'm not alone. Yep. Yep. Um, That's the basis for exactly why we're like we're convening now. And, and, and I even believe some of those dark times were on purpose because, you know, I could – I couldn't if I hadn't gone through what I had gone through through to lead us to the ability to have these conversations now, I would be no help to you whatsoever, brother. Mm. I would be no help. And and you would be no help that's to true. me even though you didn't know you need to be helpful. That, that, and I wouldn't be no help to you even though I didn't know I need to be. That's right? true. So that's true. There was if a... all that didn't happen the way it did, mm. you know, I, I think that that's very a very important part of our history and why that now is now because there's so many more people than you and I feeling and thinking exactly the same way. And, you know, the reason for your podcast and the reason for me stewing and get mine is, is exactly why, because there's so many more of us out there like that from all walks of life, religion and whatever, but have done similar research feeling alone. And and I'm kind of tired of that being a place that people feel because I know there I've been there. Absolutely. There's one other thing you you mentioned that I want to t- touch on, um, and we do we have like 24 minutes of this conversation left, if, if unless we go over. So I want to get into some. I'm of the, good. Some Let's, of the examples. No more than two hours then total, because I'm good. Okay. I have till three. You have till like two something. So yeah. let's. If we need to keep going for sake of content, uh, let's do it. All right. Good. All right. So here, here's here's something. Now I I realize that you. You wouldn't have been speaking to me the way you did when you and I bumped into each other at Walmart, and you wouldn't be speaking to me the way that you're doing now 
if you didn't have many experiences that you that you found to be spiritually valuable, to be un, uncanny and uncommon and worth sharing, because because not everybody has them, um, that uh, that that is something that you're right that I haven't had. I haven't had in a traditional religious setting, but, but, but I've had, I've had experiences, um, that I call mystic, mystic experiences. And and those experiences, um, have been largely, um, they've largely involved psychedelics. So, um, I, I don't know if that's any, if that's something that you've had any experience with or whether you're, whether you're willing to say so on, on the air as it were. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I have in the sense of, uh, you know, for me it would have been, and I have full transparency. Yeah. I mean, I'll say, thank God I haven't done hard stuff because sometimes one slip of that you're done. Right. And I only mean, I only mean that in the sense of risk because the content of how much of one or the other thing you're trusting somebody else to give it to you that they may not know because they got it from somebody else. Right, yep. I'm only associating that in the association of the potential risk of some sort of contaminant or off ratio or what have you. So that's because with marijuana, the worst you can get is it's laced with acid a little bit sometimes. And personally feeling I have done that. I have had that and I was out for hours and I did not like it. I got the you. moment that, I've had years of where I would do that and the feeling of calming my nervous system and all of that was, was so incredibly impactful for me. And it was actually the years before, no, after we went, when did, God, when the heck did I move to Lancaster? That'd be a tangent anyway, <laughs> when I had that experience. So for me, yeah. I'm okay with that. The difference I'll preface what you, what you may discuss with that is this is I have had those experiences that have completely confused, annoyed, offended my analytical scientific mind. Sure. Because I had my physical wit. I could see, see, touch, taste, feel every part of the room. And I had an experience that was completely outside of every framework I have for any of that. And I had my mental faculties without it being impacted by an esoteric drug or something like that. Right. Yep. So, so, so it's, it's for for me when that happened, I was completely at my own in my own mental faculties, which is like good luck trying to explain what just happened with your full mental faculties, right? Oh, yeah. Because if you look at then an experience of psychedelics, then my only I don't even want to say this an argument because it's not my only encur- my only encouragement of thought would be imagine having a similar experience without the chemical thing that happened in your brain right. to a open up the channel because I do believe it has physical, physical things and things that it opened up in your brain yes. to allow access to the spirit. I'm yes. not saying it didn't do that to you, but I'm saying imagine having those experiences with all your mental faculties and then trying to rationalize it as an analytical scientific method person. Well, <laughs> first of like, all, yeah, I mean, that, well, well, there is no, there is no, there is no making sense of that from a rational perspective. <laughs> there is no making That's, sense of that. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's the ability to accept something that you can't understand in your – I would I would call it in your heart. I would say experiencing it, accepting it in your spirit, your mind eventually catches up because like you and I just said, we chew on it like cuts. Isn't that, fu- isn't that funny? There. It is funny that you're yeah. – you, that's a good point. Your mind does have to catch up. That That is a great – that is a great point. Yeah. Man. I, I said this it many, certainly does. I've said this many times that I'll say it again that people understand 
more than they know. People are more than they understand. Yeah, yeah. That's what it is. People are more than they understand. And so there Uh is is an interesting thing like that where your mind does have to catch up. And and having. Yeah, something that popped into my head that's a great illustration of that, that's like just, you know, raw in the moment, is that that's the very nature of living an I don't know attitude. It gives you access to things you can't know until you do know. Ah, yes, because if you don't ask, that's exactly it. Yeah. So, so there's yeah. two, there's there's two things that I want to describe to you from from mystic experiences that I had. I've had yeah. I've had many different kinds, um, but there's basically two that are the most impactful. The first one is something that puts put me in a state of mind where I was able to chew on the on the information, like we like we said, but like a like a million miles an hour. So I had this mm-hmm. I had this experience where I was trying to understand the relationship between God and man. And mm-hmm. instead of me taking weeks or months to get through it, I got through it in about four hours of just continual, I mean, I, I don't know how to explain this, continual, um, hyper, um, um, consciousness. It was like my brain, my brain was working because of the chemicals, obviously working yeah. way more, uh, efficiently than I could. Than anything I've ever experienced, it was so, it was so difficult to deal with that. Well, you can tell I'm struggling to talk about it, but it was. Um, sure. Um, the point is, I got to the bottom of some shit, Josh. I I, <laughs> I, I was writing on my phone for four hours yeah. nonstop. I was in that mode, wow. just just for four out for four hours, and and I and I I go back and I read it from time to time. And it's just pages and pages and pages, mostly of just yep. uh, uh, basically me asking questions and then answering those questions and then a- asking them and sometimes asking the same mm-hmm. questions and answering them differently and over and over and over. Like I repeated myself a bunch, but didn't realize it because I was in a flow, yeah. you know. So that's one that's one experience that I had. And it did it did help me tremendously. The other one that was more powerful and less helpful was this experience of. Um, I don't know how to put this either, but I'll just say, you know how like when, when the Bible talks about people having um, revelations like God in a burning bush or God opening up the heavens and talking to them? that they, they Like have, maybe a vision or something? Like a vision, yes. Okay. Um, but it is of God, a vision of God. And so mm. I may have described this to you before, but I'll, I'll do my best to describe it right now. This was my, yeah. this was my experience of God. I saw nothing but an infinite black space. So there's no end. It's infinite. And I noticed that the space was filled with stars. So it was like a big black sky. You can imagine with all these little glowing spots on it that were very, you know, uh, small and, and, and everywhere. And, and then all of a sudden I realized that the blackness was a, the blackness was a sheet. It was a veil and there was something mm-hmm. there was something behind it now i couldn't see yeah. i couldn't see what was behind it i just suddenly knew that there was something behind it and mm-hmm. my, and my my emotions went from like fascinated to terrified because all of a sudden sure. i knew, i knew there was something else there and here's the mm-hmm. and here's the thing the the little stars that i was looking at they weren't stars it all of a sudden became clear to me that they were little punctures that they were little tiny mm-hmm. holes in the in the, yep. in the in the fabric, and what I was seeing, the light that was just that was just tearing forth out of these holes, what I was seeing was something like whatever was behind the veil, whatever God is, and it was this yeah. terrible roaring force 
that I, I don't, those words aren't even strong enough. It was the most terrifying, sure. body-trembling, earthquaking, destructive power. And, yeah. and it was doing everything it could to tear out of that sheet and into the world. Mm. And the sheet was just holding it back. Oh, but only just. And at any moment, it felt like that sheet could get, could be torn and that I was going to be, I was going to be mm-hmm. hitting the full force of God. The f- I was going to be right in the middle of the Kamehameha wave as it came, as yeah, it came yeah, roaring yeah. towards me. So it was, sure. so it was a moment of awe. Um, mm-hmm. It was fear and awe at the same time. It was the most beautiful thing and the most terrifying thing at the same time. And when I came back from that experience, I chewed on that image for years. And I'm not kidding yeah. you, years, trying, yep. trying to understand yep. what that meant. What do, you, what do you think of that? What do you make of that? Yeah, I, I love that because that, that, that came up in the first conversation. And there's there was something then that was very much wet cement that was really interesting to me that, you know, that experience sort of when you talked about it, you talked about holes and, you know, that that represented, you know, you we could say that that represented you seeing those holes and being able to see a kind of a, a vague picture through those holes of what was behind it. And, and you had this knowingness that that was, that that was God. Yes. What really made it interesting to me is that there are some, like, you know, we go back to some dogmatic things, right? Well, you know, I, I certainly still believe Jesus is the ability to access more truth than if not without him. And why, what I say that is because when, when he died, the veil was torn. And when mm. you do research into the size of that veil, you understand that it could not have happened without something doing it outside of realms of what we would understand then or now. Right. It was about 200 feet tall and 100 feet wide. It had required 200 priests from the tribes of Levite in order to take it down and clean it and put it back up. And, and all of these prophecies about Christ were interesting because it said the veil would be torn. That thing, when he died, without anybody in there, because everybody fled because of the temple shaking like crazy, it tore from top to bottom. Now, the sheet itself, being that tall, was about six inches thick, mm. and it tore from top to bottom. So, so um, I, I want to I want to describe really quickly the scene for the audience. So the scene Josh is referring to in the in the New Testament is after the resurrection of Jesus. So um, yeah. the story goes that the that the uh, sheet that the the veil that covered the holy of holies that it, that it was ripped and this and the symbol yeah. and the symbolism there is that God was inside. He was contained in the holy of holies. That's where the priest would go once a year and speak the name of God, the name of Yahweh. Mm-hmm. And yeah, um, they would experience that, yep. right? And, and when that sh- when that sheet was torn, it symbolizes God no longer contained in that in that holy of holies, but now being, I don't know, if, I don't know what the meaning is supposed to be, but in the world now, or available to all of us now, or something like that. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah. See, he was the see. It, it represents Jesus being the access point to that, because see, when you were a priest, they would actually tie a, a rope around your feet, because when you went into the holy of holies you experience the presence of God. Mm. Um, and when a lot of the times, if you didn't, let's say, for example, they, you had, they couldn't have any kind of blood or whatever. If they came in in any way defiled, 
they would die because the presence of God would kill them. Mm. And that rope around their foot was to drag the dead body out because they did something wrong. Can you imagine? Um, not, not in a way to say that God hated them and did it. It's just that the presence, that the presence of God was so, is so powerful that if you, if you didn't do the things that let's say God said, your flesh was just dead. It could not handle exposure to that. That's consistent. Um, That's consistent with my, with my uh, experience. Yeah. 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 So, so, so the veil being torn was, was actually that pinnacle moment when access to God was possible through Jesus. But it doesn't mean that it's through these, uh, a lot of the dogmatic thing, dogmatic things that traditional church, uh, uh, church experiences or, or church teachings talk about. And so when you first said that, it, here's what I actually pictured and what I thought about. It's, it was almost as if your, your experience, and now from having said to you, um, um, tr- like trying to come and find the, have this experience outside of the ways that that happened. Cause if that was your first way of doing that, I'm glad it happened regardless of what we may want to try to take away from it or, or add to, or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, that part doesn't matter to me as much as when I just chuckled, kind of like when you said you chuckled when you were saying it, because I was like, it, it, in my mind, as sort of an interpretation, I saw from this perspective of, those holes represent you trying to see what's behind it to, to, to kind of approach the idea of experiencing God with trepidation, with the pursuits you have continuing to poke holes, but not realizing it's already been torn for you to experience it in the fullness that you really want in all the ways you've actually mm. longed for finding. So I got to tell you, but so- it doesn't come from I gotta, that. You know what I mean? Yeah, like that's yeah, what I pictured. I got I got to tell you something now because it, it uh, because I'm curious what you think of this. So, those peak experiences that I described to you—it's a little bit of a chasing the dragon scenario where I've never, mm-hmm. really, I've never really been able to recreate those experiences that I just talked about. I've been able to have them, sure. but nothing quite like that before. Sure. Um, where was I going with this? Um, well, what I, I can't remember if this is the same thread I was following, but I, oh boy, um, oh, darn it, I'm losing it. Um, yeah. Oh, I'll circle back to it. Um, sure. Okay, so let, let's do this. Um, you brought up the Seventh Day Adventists, and I didn't realize that that your grandpa and grandma were going to that type of a church. And I, I know, mm-hmm. I know only a little bit about it. And and so, forgive me if I'm conflating. Uh, if, yeah, I'm, if I'm conflating, but I know that there's some interesting things that they believe that is not common. Sa- similar with like Jehovah Witnesses and, and some other Mormons, some other other churches that you, you would, you know, I don't know if I want to put them all in the same category, but I'm going to. Um, and so some of them are, and, and again, you tell me if I'm wrong, that they they won't take blood transfusions, or is that Jehovah's Witnesses that don't do that? That's actually um, Jehovah's Witnesses, yeah. <laughs> okay, Jehovah's Witnesses. Yep. And, and, and so, maybe, yep. so maybe I'm conflating them, because there's another one that I heard that's, that said that the church believed that, that Lucifer, um, hold on. No, no, no. It was that Jesus was Michael. That they believe the archangel Michael was incarnated on Earth as as Jesus, and that Jesus right. wasn't God but Michael. Is that, is that an Adventist yeah. thing or or a Jehovah's Witness? Thing? That's that's Jehovah's Witnesses. Yeah. Oh, well, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I'm I'm I'm. I'm no, uh, you're fine. Don't, throw, don't throw in the Adventists under no, no, the no. bus. Well, what do they believe? That's, yeah, exactly. what, what, what do they believe that's uh, that's unorthodox? The Seventh Day Adventists. Um. So a lot of their Okay, a lot of their non-biblical teachings come from the belief that Ellen G. White was an apostle. 
Okay. Like Peter, John, James. Um, and she began to say in writing some books that um, – The great controversy, right? The best way to describe it, very controversial, and it would begin to like we are trying to take and formulate meaning outside of what the word says in order to find the true understanding, but ends up exposing – this is really weird because I'm, I'm, I'm struggling the words only because of new revelation. Like, like – having gone through it and then knowing what I know now, trying to apply to that is, is the only reason for a little bit of struggle there is, mm-hmm. is because they try to find, they, she, she had talked about some things that go outside of maybe what the word would say, but help to help to understand some things the word does say, mm. does say like in their mind, the Catholic church is the root of all evil. Um, they changed the Sabbath from Saturday to Sunday, which they did in fact do. Right. It was a it was a a decree that was done. Then they believe in the Jewish and true Sabbath, which is sunset Friday to sunset Saturday. They do not buy or sell. They do nothing between Friday night and Saturday night. Um, they believe that being the true Sabbath. Um, what they then do is doctrinalize that to say that the doctrine of God's not chosen. I I had the actual like Adventist phrasing for this, but uh, forgive me, it, it left oh, right sorry. as I was describing it. But, um, oh, sign of allegiance to God. Sign of, their doctrine of, of, sign of signs of allegiance to God is people that tr- worship on the true Sabbath, but not on Sunday. So on their minds, if you go to church on Sunday, you are not going to make it into heaven mm. and you are going to hell. And, and that right there is one of the things that has no basis for any kind of actual theological basis. It's not true in the Word. You can't find it only by taking things out of the all context that you should never take the Bible out of. Mm. Do they take it out of context to, sub, to say that that's what it's saying when it actually isn't? Because mm. even Christ himself said, Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Mm. Like, it was made for you to experience it and rest as God did after he created what he created. It's, it's just basically saying, I want you to rest. We should live a worshiping experience and worshiping our God every single day, not one day. So this stuff, You know what I mean? And if it was based on one day, what would be the point? Because everybody could just go on Sunday and believe and be fine if that were true, right? So it's oh, just, yeah. that's, that's a big one that they actually believe. Um, now, the interesting thing is they get into a lot of what would be now called conspiracy theories with regards to governmental control, oh. um, um, various weird stuff like that, that actually when I later on would hear what my grandmother's listening to, I'm like, holy crap, I researched that myself. So so it, it, it's interesting because I would say that they're largely anti-biblical doctrine. Yep. But they have very crazy things that they say that I'm saying that now because that's what I thought then. Right. That I've read myself. Um, like court, like it's, it's just Mark of the Beast, for example, yep. is, is one of them, which, which, you know, as I've done all the research, that is not a physical thing that's going to happen. That is a spiritual mark, a spiritual thing that you knowingly did to take it on, mm. but it doesn't change that all of that was based on the time of Nero. Right. That's what that was all based on. Oh, so yeah. it's hard. We can't take it from then to say now. But things that look like a mark, that sound like a mark, 
Was it doesn't necessarily mean that it's a good thing just because it isn't the true mark of the beast, right? That's was, uh, where a lot of Christians take it. Was Nero was Nero six sixty six? Was that was that Nero's the time he lived? If I understand it the same Something way, like yeah, okay. around that time frame, yeah. Well, this yep. is, this is yep. interesting. And so most of that was based in that time frame because you had to have a stamp of Nero in order uh, to be able to buy and sell. Interesting. You had to. You had to have this mark of allegiance to Nero in order to be able to do anything in the marketplace. So now, yeah, but, are they trying to do similar stuff now? Yeah, they are, but it's not the mark of the beast. Interesting. So this stuff that you brought up about about Ellen White. <clears throat> that's her name, right? Ellen White. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's it. About reading, yep. about reading into it, like it's so like when I when I use the word dogma, a lot of times I think of this same sort of thing, stuff that gets re- that gets read into the scriptures that really aren't biblical, and yeah. and it's funny because that what you were describing Ellen White doing, where she looks at the Bible, she finds questions, and she interpret and she you know uses her status, let's say as a as a apostle to interpret the truth or whatever. That this is something that the Jews have done since the beginning of Judaism. They've got books called the the Midrash, you know, the Mishnah, the Talmud. Mm-hmm. They got all of these books that they that basically they're like compendiums. They go right along with the Old Testament. They're like a supplement to the Bible, basically. And they're all of these rabbis from you know going you know whatever hundreds and hundreds of years of of, of rabbis talking and discussing these things and coming up with. Uh, explanations for things in the Bible that aren't well understood, and and it it falls into the same lines of like a lot of the stuff that's interesting about the scriptures that again preachers don't want to talk about because they're difficult. Like uh, yeah. I, I, this isn't going to be news to you, but the rabbis you, you brought up earlier, the Adam was put into the garden by God. You brought yeah. that you brought that up. Yep. So the rabbis talk about that as well. There's two different stories about the creation of man in the Bible. And uh, one of them is older than the other one. I think the older one is the second one in, in the in, in Genesis. And in one story, uh, Adam and Eve are created from clay. And another story, Adam is created from clay, and Eve is created from Adam's rib. So you've got these two. Yeah. You've got these two stories that that don't make that don't make sense together. And so the rabbis decided, yeah. oh, well, that the reason for that is because God actually, ha- you know, in the first story, um, God didn't say he created Eve. It said he said he created um, man and woman. And so this other woman wasn't Eve. It was this. It was this lady named Lilith. So there's this. So there's, yeah. so there's this Mesopotamian uh, demon goddess called called Lilith that that yeah. uh, that they basically plugged into the Bible to say, oh yeah, that demon that we've been worried about, you know, in the Middle East for the last you know three thousand, four thousand years. Oh no, that this was just this person that God was referring to in Genesis. This was Adam's first wife. And now you have this whole yeah. story that isn't in the Bible that, that that is all flushed out with details, including yeah. including this little nugget that when uh, that when infants die in, in childbirth and when they die early, it's because Lilith's curse against Eve's children that she's going that so this whole this mm. in, this invented part of the story is now the reason wow. why babies die in in you know <laughs> anyway this is uh. this is my point these types of things. Um, they grow out of the religious traditions and they have no connection to them. They have no real connection to sure. them. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's for me where I can give you a good example of what led up to that moment in the, in my massage room, Sure, experiencing the goodness and love of God, because I was all confused in my head. Right. I just felt like I got way too far in the deep end. Like I've said to you before that uh, your audience wouldn't know that I have had this pursuit 
but there has been a trajectory and there has been this loving direction with regards to maintaining my sanity through the proper receiving of, of the information in the timing of which I receive it. And it's been many, many years since I've even had to have that feeling because so many of the things I researched were so long ago that I've already reformulated my psyche and been able to be strong and function in society like a normal person, right. except for getting really annoyed by hearing people talk about things that they, if they only knew 1% of it, they'd be freaked out. But, but I recently, through some of the things that I've, I've, I've looked at, started to feel that feeling of, of, of you could say anxiety or, or uh, fear or like very deep confusion because it's all these things that are just, I'm chewing on that, are really just messing with my head. And and it led up to that moment of, okay, you know what? Chuck all that. Mm. Because, you know, you have led me to this truth. You are God. And I felt this love and peace and rest again. And I was, okay, I'm able to kind of accept those things. Because that's, for me, where the barometer shifts, right? Mm. There's a place where there's this, this trajectory to it that's led, that's loving, that's not confusing, that's exciting, that has peace, that has rest, that also has... has not confusion, but questions, and I'm chewing on it, and, and it's exciting. And then if I go too far to one side, there's this insane fear that is definitely not feeling like anything for me that just feels like anxiety and, and fear and, and, and confusion, and I can't talk to anybody, and, and I just get a mess because I've got too much too right. fast, and then much of that is conflicting. And, and so it's a matter of, okay, let me get back, calm down, and then I'm able to now kind of accept it. So that's where all those years, I'd easily be able to navigate that. But right now, because of some of the time I've had to not do that, I'm a little weak in that uh, uh, exercise um, to where I don't get myself off in the weeds is one of the best ways to describe yeah. it. Yeah, and that's what led up to that moment of just dumping it all and 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 keeping my eyes fixed, like like Christocentric on on the truth and you know the truth of Christ and that always sort of it always sort of calibrates me back but then there's still a push forward into the into those deeper realms regardless of that right? that makes sense so it, that's where it, that experience does, of that it, of it, that godhead and that that relationship that that keeps me grounded so okay, so this is a good place. So right now we're at so right, right now we're just past our originally agreed upon time. So oh my goodness! So I want to ask you. I want to ask you about something because <laughs> I think this is, I think this right. is uh, this is good. Um, so okay, so we, at the beginning of the conversation we talked about coming up to a point in your spiritual development or psychological development mm -hmm. or whatever you want to say, where you no longer yeah. you no longer have the answers um, from the people that are supposed to be able to offer them or from the institutions mm -hmm. that are supposed to be able to offer them, that the church is basically you, that you're that you're that the well is drying up on you. So what I'm what I'm curious to know, uh, maybe to wrap this up is what is it that you think is beyond the orthodox Christian message what what do you think that's mm. beyond that that is that is achievable that 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 is that is reachable that people can strive that's towards huge. what is it that you think is there that that you have or are striving for um, what is that that's really good because I, I love how you said that because that brings us back to the way it ended and didn't record last time which I love <laughs> I don't know if you knew that or not no, I didn't did, but you didn't oh that's even better good so 
it reminds me of when you when you think about uh, Jesus ascending and telling the disciples, there's so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear the weight of it. Oh, yes. It is where last time we described this feeling of, I'm not some crazy guru that has all this enlightenment and everybody else is a peasant. It's, it's actually because the, the mental fortitude and grit and grind and personal digging and rebuilding of myself so many freaking times is very difficult. And I don't wish that on anybody too much too fast, which is where I felt the feeling of needing that recentering I experienced uh, a couple days ago. Yep. It's because I got myself in that place. I would never wish that on anybody. And so the point of making in that is, is what I believe is beyond that. It's the, I believe Jesus is the access to, to all truth. And I believe that there's a personification and experiential experience with a relationship with him that can lead you there because he had access to way more than he was able to tell any mm. of us through his 33 years of life and, and three years of ministry. Way more. Right. Because he could, we couldn't bear the weight of it. And we are entering a season in this world where there's a lot of ideas and there's a lot of things that are, are, are coming forward, uh, to use the example of experience you had, regardless of I believe that that picture you had of the veil being, a, I believe, a very personal thing for you to kind of realize it's already been done and start experiencing the relationship of it mm. um, without having oh, to actually sorry. take away anything that you've learned so far, my brother. But you can't bear the weight of it, as, the, as he said to the disciples, is because I believe um, by very creation— we have access inside of our body to a lot more abilities, understandings, powers, you would say, from us being both like video game, Dragon Ball Z, whatever, dorks. But I believe that there's greater access to the understanding of how we were created to be. And I think you can get there without it. I'm not suggesting you can't. But, but I do believe that he tried to teach us a way to understand it through somebody that was there and went back to where he came from. Mm. already understanding all that but couldn't tell us half of what he actually knew okay and, and i believe that as we can pursue that as as we experience that as we as we dig into that we start to get greater understanding of of what we're capable of you know interesting um that's kind of that's kind of where, where what i believe with that well, while you while you were saying that the thing that i forgot earlier came back to me so i appreciate Good. i appreciate that so so it, it was this you brought you brought back up the image that I that I said uh, that I was described and you said like hey you know maybe what you what you need to understand is that the veil has already been torn and that you need to you need you need to now uh, take the next step whatever that might be so the hair standing yeah. up on my arms right now because I'm not sure what that means but it's exciting me apparently um, so yeah, yeah. The, the, so the thing that I forgot that I want to point out is that I told you that I was chasing the dragon with the mm-hmm. mystic experience trying to recreate that thing and I I wasn't very successful yeah. and and just like just like chewing on the cud there's a part of the mystic experience where when you have one and it's not satisfying for one reason or another or you, or you want to have one and you don't have one that you start thinking about yeah. it and one and and yeah. eventually you start to get i don't know how to i don't know how to say this without sounding weird you get messages from it you tell yourself something that you that you want yourself to know. And it seems to be coming, it seems to be coming, like you said, it seems to be coming from some other place. Like I say, it's coming from the unconscious or something. But the message that I kept getting is something that sounds a lot like what you just told me. The message that I keep getting is that the psychedelic ecstasy 
that that's something that I need to experience in my waking life. Because when I, when I have a mystic experience, I'm not here. I'm not here. I'm somewhere else. I, I, and then I come back to myself and I'm like, how do I apply that to here? And I'm like in this, I'm in this fog for a little while and mm. it's a good time to think while you're in the fog. And I do that. Yeah. But the, the thing that I keep coming back to is apply, apply this experience to your life. And, yes. and so, you know, it's like, there's something that I, there's something more to it and I don't, and I don't know yeah. what it is. And, and maybe that's something that yeah. you, you and I can try to, can try to, uh, tease out. Yeah, uh, you're, you're exactly right. Like in something in that veil, veil picture, I want you to understand that was also for everybody else. You said there's a time when you believe that's going to be exposed. I a hundred percent believe that. And my, my, my concern is for the ways that it will, lead people away from, I believe, the true intention of Christ and Jesus and, and God in general. Like, I, I'm not, I, please, I have to underscore for the audience and myself, I am not talking about some specific dogmatic traditional thing. I'm really not. I'm, and not to say that those are wrong. I'm just saying that it is being lifted. In fact, the Greek word for revelation is something covered up that was already there, but then at the time needed is lifted off mm. and it was always there, but it was then lifted and you could see it. That's literally what the Greek word for revelation. Means. <laughs> I love that. And man. I believe that not only is that a personal experience for you because of what you had, and you said you want to apply it to your waking time. That is exactly what I'm coming from the beginning of some of these crazy thoughts and things we've discussed from experiencing that in my waking time without a substance to get me there. Mm. And it's not at all to belittle what you've done because I want that to be heard, not just for you, but also the people watching um, you tasted. And I believe that that intentionality is God wanting you to see it in your waking time without the mm. use of that substance. Oh, I believe man. that. But I, I also believe that I also believe that that part of your vision of it being exposed for everybody I believe that time is now, which is the very reason I've been sitting on half this crap and haven't been able to say a bag on words, feeling like a crazy person that I should have ended up a hermit with long hair, eating fish like Schmeagle. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I feel like I should have ended up that way had I not done approached it the way that, that, that I've approached it. So I think it's both. But as, as kind of a leaving of you, some of the times that uh, one of the most tangible way the spirit works, brother, is when you hear things that cause the... When you feel that feeling on the back of your neck and your hair actually stands up, that is the spirit. That is 100% the spirit coming to you. So so much of what I've experienced from that side with my waking times, it is not very much different than physical reactions you would have when it comes upon you. It's not that different. Well, you're, you're, you know, so, you're, you're so, word, your words today have done that to me three different times. So uh, Yeah, and, and, and that's like – that's what I want you to, I think I want you to understand from this, not only being recorded, but just our, our relationship as it is now is to, to let you know that that's, you're experiencing all the time that exact way. Mm. That's exactly, that is the spirit like talking to you, coming on you, like you're on the right track, you know? Yes. And, and that, I want to uh, talk about that feeling of uh, like isolation and, and like there's, there's a very negative force to that that makes you feel like you can't talk to anybody else. And I believe that therein lies where there's 
there's spirit good and spirit bad. And that's where I would say spirit bad is trying to keep you isolated so you don't help more people with the truth you're experiencing. And same thing it does to me. Mm-hmm. You can call it whatever you want. I don't really care. But but it, it, is, it is a certain – when you've experienced both a malevolent good and a malevolent bad, it really shifts your analytic, physical, trusting understanding of, of what's real. And, and that's what it's done most of my life. And so I think that it's, it's both an invitation for you as well as to say, listen, there's going to be a time where it's exposed. And if we don't have a language for it to help people, if we don't do it now, there's no time to do it. Mm. You know, that is a good, that is a good place to wrap this up. Hey, Josh, how about this, man? Okay. Um, how can we get you to, can we get you to agree on the air here to have a conversation the next time we get together, maybe uh, you, me and Kyle, and we'll do, we'll do um, the person of Jesus, the historical Jesus, whether he actually existed, we'll have that conversation. Um, okay. And we'll do, we'll, we'll talk, we'll do the, uh, the Enoch stuff and the, um, uh, oh, and yeah. the Nephilim. Perfect. <laughs> That'll be good because Kyle, Kyle's an interesting person for that, for that conversation to put, insert him in. And the reason is that Kyle grew up, Kyle grew up churchy every Sunday, church, mm-hmm. every, every Wednesday, yeah. church after yep. church was over, you know, fellowship halls, Sunday school, yep. you know, all of yep. that stuff. So, so he grew up in it and then he became basically an atheist and now, mm. and now he's starting to come back around and it's very strange to watch. So if you, if you're okay Weird. with it, yes, if you're okay with it, um, I say that all three of us get together and we do part two together. Yeah, that'd be amazing because what's funny is like, so how I see it is like, um, he, it's like, I came from the experience, not finding any of the truth where I should feel it because there's a, there's a, there's a, uh, I'll, I'll save it for next time, but it's funny. I'm coming from that. You're coming from the, the intellectual religious part to get the experience. And then he's, I've had the experience and I hated these churchy people. And now I'm like, wait a second, there might've been some truth there. Exactly. It's really like this crazy crazy convergence of the three of us through all the different ways that we may have started began midways it's that that would be deal. super enjoyable deal let's do that next time uh, on the next episode until then man thank you so much for doing this i can't wait to do it again um yeah, oh, oh be- before we wrap up um uh, josh is uh, in the process of forming his own podcast. And this has got, I guess, oh, yes. I guess kind of been a little bit Thank of an inspiration. You. So I think that's, you know, I'm, I'm happy to have been part of it, but tell, uh, I mean, I don't yeah. know, I don't know what the ETA might be, but any, 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 uh, any notes about the podcast about your upcoming? Um, yeah, I, I could give a couple to end on. Yeah. So it'll be faith, fringe and freedom. I've known that's the actual topic, um, where you can help me off air with is the equipment. I'm at a place where, I make agreements with my wife that I spend this much. Then when the good stuff, because I've done sound is, is a little bit outside of that. That's where I struggle. So I may be just getting in my head about, okay, start with what you can get and then maybe upgrade later. I'm probably just overthinking, but that said, um, I happy to help you with that. Yeah. But we would definitely, I definitely need it because that's where I get in my head about stuff. And it's, it's, I, I, I lose to keep it simple, stupid. So, um, but that said, that said, it's going to be very much a, a journey, right? Something I said earlier on that I'm kind of tired of is I'm tired of the feelings that Chris and I have had in places we should not have them going on because there's, I believe, millions of people that think exactly like we do that came from the similar backgrounds and what's Kyle, myself, and you 
having this crazy convergence of, of trying to find some commonality through very different perspectives. Yep. There's so many people in the world that are living versions of that, but have nowhere to turn literally are crazy among everybody they're around have no meaning in any relationships, even the most significant others, boyfriends, girlfriends, husbands, mm, wives. Yes. Yes. And, and I, my podcast faith fringe and freedom is literally number one for those people. But the information I'm presenting is going to create a journey for those that don't know what we know or understand what we understand to come along that journey with facts, with reason, with logic, with documentation in, in such a way that each thing is based on six areas. And I'll say those six and that's it. So <laughs> the first is that there's a spirit realm. There's good, bad. We agree on that. We agree. You're good. The second, all news media is garbage. Period. It's all manipulation. I will break all of that down. That would be a tangent. I'm not going to do it. The third one is the third one is education. The fourth one is the food industry. The fifth one is medical and pharmaceutical. The sixth is political. Mm. And my entire year of this recent year was to learn this simple fact. I have to be more concerned about people's mutual freedom than I do about being right which is now allowing me to have deeper discussions in these from perspectives that I don't agree on necessarily, mm. but can have it without being offended because I was once believing the same thing through these six areas of research is where it all unraveled for me. And I'm doing that. and going to present that information in a way that it creates that for those that aren't there yet. At it. any point, if it's too much. That's okay. I'll see you back around the bend. No <laughs> harm, no foul. Right. I love it. But, it's, it's, it's chiefly for those people that are feeling like you and I, that if you're somebody that's needing that and wanting that place where you can feel like yourself for maybe the first time ever, that is your place. With, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this too. The Two Tongues podcast is that place too. It's, uh, not, a, it's uh, not a one or the other. It's both. Because uh, um, I believe me. that's why we're together. No, I, so, I, I agree. So, yeah, I'm inviting people that maybe want to understand from some of these perspectives to in, be invited on that journey. But then, like I said, the people that are going to make it through the, 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 the deep levels of all six is my true audience of people that have already done half or all that research, mm. but finally have a place to call home. That's beautiful, that's, man. That's the heart of why I'm doing it. I love it. I, I, that's beautiful. I, I think uh, it'll be interesting to see the kind of insights that you, I, I, you know, I will be one of your listeners, Josh. I want to hear what you have to say on that. It, but <laughs> it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting to see the perspectives that you bring up, the examples that you bring up. Um, how different, because those things are going to be just different from my own, just because of our life experience. So, um, I'm, I'm yeah. excited about it. I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to kind of help you get set up and, uh, hopefully when you're up and, uh, up and running and you got your first episode aired, I'll, I'll have you back on and we'll let everybody know. Uh, and, yeah, and, that'd be great, man. Yeah. It'll definitely happen in the next few months sooner. If you can help me get out of my own head, probably, but <laughs> I if I need to wait, I need to wait. It's fine. I'm not married to a definite time. I'll be on yours having a whole lot of fun with you and you and, uh, Kyle. So yep. even if it has to happen later, it's fine. I'll still be here. All right, buddy. Well, to the, for that, I'll cue the outro. Okay. Well, there you have it. That's one Avenue explored, but infinitely more still to go. I hope you enjoyed thinking along with us. I know. I know it's not easy work thinking it's hard and full of uncertainties but i'm grateful for the company as we trek through this together here's to hoping that the juice is worth the squeeze see what i did there
Let's find out together in the next episode.